Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn, which we are calling Third Degree Bolton. Is that right? We did. We just discussed this, Brian. Am I right? Third Degree Bolton. Okay, Bolton. That's right. Yep. This is a, a part two of our coverage of the unpublished, or as yet unpublished, John Byrne X-Men pages uh, that he has released on his um, Burn Robotics page that Brian discovered, and we did a little show about it a couple weeks ago, and this is a kind of a follow-up, because uh, he's released, oh, let's say, what, 15 more pages? or Yeah, well, there's a total of 20 pages. Uh, one of them has been, most, has been mostly redone, uh, but yeah, 20 pages. And it's, it is a circular story, and this is something he promised. Now, he, he's referring to it, at least on his website, as X-Men Elsewhen. And uh, the other thing that, that he's made clear is that these pages, as they are, could not be published, uh, you know, for Marvel in, in you know, that in, as, as a book. You know, he can repurpose them into another story. Mm-hmm. But because he didn't have any contract or anything with Marvel at the time, and, you know, legal wranglings that go on and things like that, he can't just turn this into one book. That being said... He now has up to, up to issue five in his head. That's what he said when we were at the. Uh, I should uh, sorry, I had to clear my throat. Yeah. Uh, I recently had the pleasure of uh, meeting Mr. Byrne last weekend at the Boston Fan Expo, and uh, I taped a panel of his, which I, we will release. It's a separate show, kind of a companion to this, but it's a separate. It's just his hour-long panel with his uh, IDW uh, editor that was at the con, and uh, I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty insightful. And he talks a little bit about these these pages, and that, like you said, he he has uh, all these issues already kind of in his head. And he, when I when I when I approached him at his table and I mentioned, you know, who we were, I said, hey, we do a podcast. And uh, he seemed to he seemed to he smiled. He seemed to think that was uh, funny. He didn't he didn't you know grunt or growl or uh, you know become grumpy burn. He uh, he I said that we had just covered his the unreleased pages he was he had done. And he said yeah. He said I I had wanted to see if I could still draw that way. So he just started drawing. Uh, and the X-Men style that he did back, you know, when he was writing with uh, Claremont in the 70s. And he said suddenly it just started kind of pouring out. One page, one page came two, came three, came four, and it just all started coming out. And I guess he started posting them on uh, his uh, website. Yeah. And he got a call from Marvel. Uh, and somebody said, hey, what – I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was basically, hey, we're interested, you know, would you like to, you know, come back to Marvel and do something with this? Or so – it sounds like he's going to be able to do this yeah. and X-Men Hidden Years, complete that. Because he had a plan that went all the way from, you know, where he was all the way to, you know, Giant Size X-Men or, mm-hmm. or X-Men 93. Um, so, you know, he was going to hopefully get a chance to continue both those. Now, to this point, the last I saw on his website, and that was yesterday... He has not had formal discussions with him, but he did have that um, talk at the con with C.B. Sabolsky, 
the editor in chief. Yeah, that's who contacted him, and it wasn't. And it, during the uh, the the panel, it wasn't a oh, I'll never go back work. You know, I'll never go back and work for them. He seemed genuinely interested in himself. So it seems like it's mutual. Well, I mean, the people that were in power and, and, you know, Joe Quesada, of course, is is one of those that, you know, he's got a big beef with because, you know, Quesada basically out and out lied to him and then canceled his book, you know, for no other reason. And he just wanted to produce a different book, even though Hidden Years was selling and selling well. And so, you know, I mean, he just said he wouldn't he wasn't going to do business with a company like that. I understand that that reasoning but Casada is not in charge of that anymore and Sobolski seems to have a genuine love for the work that Byrne had done and so I think he wants to see if there's a way to recapture that bring him back and you know maybe who knows what else could happen from there but if we get him on these two books you're going to get you know so many different things that are going to be really really cool because he's going to be doing a book that's Basically from the 70s and a book that's from 1980, but as he said it with 2000, you know, 17, 18 sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing part of that in some of the changes that he's had to make here. Um, and then there's other things going on. And, and, and before we go back to the con, I want to bring up something that, that I did uh, over the weekend. And uh, it, it raised a few hackles on, on you know, some people... Uh, but for the most part, the experience was very positive. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that your experience at the con and everybody that I had heard from that was there, that had an experience or whatever, everybody was glowing and positive about Byrne and the way he was treating the fans. And it, you know, even Byrne himself had put on his site. He talked about the big band Byrne stories and how they've proliferated over the years and, and you know, that he'd just like to, to, you know, see the genesis of it. And I posted on Facebook, you know, basically asking something along the same lines. You know, we've heard these friend-of-a-friend stories, but have we ever gotten any firsthand? We know that Byrne has had public disagreements with, you know, other creators. But, you know, what can we really find out about the stories that happen? Because there's two sides to every story, and typically when you hear a big, bad burn story, you're only hearing one side. Mm-hmm. And so the I'd say about 70% of the response that I got uh, on Facebook was, was very positive, people that only had nice things to say about them. And I had one guy that complained about uh, Burn and said Burn had called him a, an anal little fanboy. And the fact of the matter was, he was talking about a post that was actually on Burn's site. So I went back and looked at the post. Burn never called him an anal little fanboy. Hmm. And, and huh? I mean, Burn just basically, what it was was the guy was making um, a, a action figure playset of the Baxter building. And he was asking Burn about certain rooms. And, and Burns, you know, just basically said, you know, I, I wish we'd gotten away from Mohatmu and all these, you know, things that where everybody wants to know every little thing about everything because you're taking away the mystery, you're taking away the ability to, to create in a story. And, and you know, it's like what, how Mohatmu took away the mystique around who's stronger, 
or the mystique about you know where the bathrooms are in the Baxter building or, or whatever. <laughs> you know, it, it's and, and I can understand what what Byrne is saying there, even though over the years he has gone to the the efforts to fill in a lot of blanks, not just on the Fantastic Four, but on Superman, how his powers yeah. work and and whatnot. So, you know, I think that you can expect questions like that. And but his answer basically was, you know, I mean, he didn't he didn't know he didn't give it any thought. So instead of giving it any thought, he just basically said, we don't need to know everything. And the guy apparently took it as a shot and he's built it up as being a shot. So. Anyone, I, I never, I never got any impression from, uh, I wouldn't say he was some, some creators when you meet are, are, uh, <laughs> Well, I'll tell you this story. Tell you another story. Some are overly enthusiastic. I finally caught up with Mark Textera at the show, and I've been chasing him for about five years because every time I'd find him at a show, he was never at his table. So I finally got to get an autograph from him, and he will talk your ear off. He is absolutely just the friendliest guy, but he talked to a guy in front of me and his wife for an hour and a half. Wow. Well, we were waiting to get stuff because he was just the guy was trying to get a commission from him, and Mark was just like talking about everything. He was just like he like he never talked to anybody before. So, but Byrne never uh, he was he would kind of sit there with uh, his and I can't remember the guy's name. The guy that does his uh, Chris that gets, deals with yeah does yeah. his deals with the artwork right yeah well no yeah. Uh, there's there's uh, Jim Warden. Who, That's him. Who handles his artwork, and then Chris Real from IDW is also there. Yeah, he was I mean, there. He's not, he's not even with IDW anymore, but um, he was there with him, as they refer to him as the Burn Whisperer. So they like keeping mm-hmm. him around. Well, you'll hear him on. He's the one who sat on the panel with Burn. So they're together uh, in the panel. He was at his uh, table a little bit there because Burn was selling some of his artworks, his pages, and yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to buy the splash page of. Star Trek crew number two. It's that scene where they're beaming down to the um, to that uh, the all the the whole planet, the whole sit towns oh, is full of androids. Yeah, I am so and, jealous. <laughs> and he didn't. And I picked that one up because one, it was a splash page, but he did, has it hadn't been inked, so it was just his pencils. Wow. And uh, and I also picked up a nice piece from uh, Bob McCloud. But other than that, and he he'd already signed it, so I dealt with him on that. But other than that, I never got any. The cool thing about Burr was he was not charging to sign. He would sign up to ten things, yep. no duplicates. They were free. And they first said when I first walked up, there was a guy from the con there, kind of a big burly, kind of a bouncer-looking guy. And he said, you know, he'll he'll sign ten things. He, he would personalize them because he didn't want somebody to go run run right out and. Sell try it. to yeah. sell it. Yeah. <clears throat> there was a two guys in front of me and who's asking about when you know he was gonna start signing and I guess the guy said, Well what okay, you're getting stuff signed, what are you doing here? Asking his friend. He said, I'm here to witness it. He said, Nope, that's not gonna happen. He said, I'll I'll kick you out of the con. So that was not gonna be any you know, having this guy witness, you know, that Bird is signing stuff. So that guy left. Uh he didn't personalize stuff, he just signed his name. Um and he kind of found, you know, where he wanted to sign it. But so I got two of my X-Men signed and I got him to sign my big Marvel book. But uh, other than that, he wasn't really uh, uh, having I, I, 
he, he was very, he was talkative, you know, he would talk to you for a little bit and, and, you know, you, you always run across that when you meet a creator like that, how much time, one, you have to be mindful if anybody's behind you. And also, how much time do you want to take, how much of their time do you want to take up? You know, you don't want to just, if they're receptive, you'll talk to them for a long time, but you don't want to just, you know, monopolize their time. So I chatted with him for a little bit, and then uh, uh, the other guy, (laughs) there's a guy that we were waiting to get in line, had a picture of himself and Byrne from 1993 at a con somewhere on the East Coast. And he was going to show Burn that and have him have him sign it, and then he recreated that picture with Burn. Somebody took his picture. Cool. So that was kind of cool. But yeah. other than that, it was uh, you know, I had I had a great time. Oh, that's that. Well, that's really cool. You know, I mean, uh, you know, and it's not just Burn, but it's you know a, a, any artist out there. And, and you know, you and I were at a con a couple months back where we got to see like. Um, Joe Rubenstein and Mike Grell and uh, but wasn't Mark Teixeira there also uh, at that one the shooter? I, shooter if he was, thing. he wasn't. Uh, the one with Mike Zek was there. Mike Zek was there, but I, I think he was there, but you couldn't get to him. He was never at his table. And Mike, that's a, that's always my, my problem with him. He's never at his table. And, and you know, the, I I had experiences at that convention with with artists and convention the the year the year before, where I got to meet some of my favorite artists. And, uh, you know, the thing is, I'm a pretty outgoing person. You know, you can talk to me on a wide variety of subjects. Um, and I'm, I'm also, my wife refers to me as a social chameleon, where, where basically I adapt to the person I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it very easy for me to talk to people, and people talk to me, you know, they open up to me and all that. And I find that, you know, a number of artists are, you know, just a little harder to, to crack in that way and and so their personalities can always seem a little off now I have one artist last year that you know he was nice to to people and everything early at the con later on though when I finally got a chance to get up to him and I bought some of his art um, his daughter had left her child with him oh <laughs> and, like- and he was sitting there trying to corral the kid and I, I just you know, I, you, he, you could tell that it was really wearing on his temper and everything, and he was not having a good time as a result of it. And, you know, any other person, I think, I don't know that they would have seen that like I did because I try to sit there and observe and, you know, react accordingly. And so I just knew, okay, well, this isn't the time to do this because I was going to see if I could get a sound bite. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to name the artist because, you know, it, it, it wasn't a pleasant moment for them. And so, anyway... But you know, well, I, and, and that's that's one thing that, you know people don't realize. Artists are not necessarily all like us personality wise. That's for sure. They're they're well, different. It, that's for a reason. Well, you have that. What's uh, I believe Paul Spatar was the one who coined this term: the perceived intimacy. Yeah. That you think that you get it more with TV and movie people. You feel that. Well, I've been watching you for years on TV. Don't you know me? You know, I've, I felt that all, a lot of times when I would first meet, like, hey, it's me. Don't you know it's me? Like, no, you're one of a thousand people that come up to them. And they're not necessarily going to be as excited to see you as you are to see them. And most of them are very civil. They will talk. And some of them you see or get a sense that they get, they kind of get something off the fans. They, they kind of get energized by the fans. And some, 
you get the vibe that they really don't want to be there. Either that's they have to be there because they're contra- contractually obligated or they're doing it just because they need the money. But some seem almost uh, uh, upset to be there. You know, they don't they don't want to or they're bored. But, you know, it, that's just I mean, artists are going to be like anybody else. You know, sometimes they, they may be having a bad day. Maybe they don't feel good. Right. You know, maybe they sign their name 500 times and they're they're tired. So um, that's it's like I said, I, I try not to take up too much of their time. It's, to me, it's more like, hey, I want to meet you. Just basically say, hey, I enjoy your work. I'm a big fan and I appreciate what you do. Now, <clears throat> there are because that's the difference between me and you. You're you're I'm more of an introvert. You're more of an extrovert. You can easily go up to someone and have a long conversation. Uh, if I do that, I tend to feel like I'm kind of a. Uh, Either I've run out of stuff to say, or ask them, or you're asking the 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 really stupid, you know, mundane, you know, um, the kind of questions that get asked a thousand times, you know. But uh, you know, you know, you you've, you've referred to yourself as an introvert a couple times in the time that I've known you, and uh, you know, I, I I understand where where you may have started out that way, but you're definitely not that way now. Well, yeah, I guess I've well, maybe I'm, there's more levels of I'm not as um, you definitely come out of your shell, and, yeah. and it's funny you mentioned about the perceived intimacy and all that because I, it made me think about your first meeting with Andrew Leyland because mm-hmm. you remember when you when you and he met it was it it was in uh, Orlando wasn't it Yeah, it was when uh, we were all down there when Scott took us kind of to Disney and they just happened to be there. Yeah, and he just said to you that you know he feels like he knows you. Yeah, and that that was that was that was that was when and I I said that about when meeting it was either Scott or any other any of the other the, the freaks first time you meet them you feel like hey you know we're just we're just a, you know we've been hanging out you know like you know we know each other yeah like you've always known each other in the middle of a conversation exactly yeah and that's what's so great about the, that's why we gotta get you to some of these meetups so you can meet these guys yeah I'd, I'd, I'd love right. to and, and I was so upset that I did not get to go to the uh, cookout this last weekend yeah I, I, didn't, I didn't know they were they were I kind of forgot they were having that and I couldn't have made that either but yeah uh, that's easier for the New York guys to make that but yeah uh, they're 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 saving up for the 2020 thing in uh, Orlando now that I, I, you know, that's something I can plan for. Something I can hopefully make happen if I can just get my wife back to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get to meet up. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Hero because he picked us up at the airport and was just—I could not ask for a nicer uh, gesture on his part because he came out and picked us up and drove us to our uh, to our hotel. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of didn't really get a chance to spend because he didn't get—he couldn't make it to the con because he had his uh, his bachelor party. But uh, we, uh, yeah, his wedding's coming up pretty quick, and he's 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 uh, he's in the middle of trying to plan that. But uh, so, so it's great to it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. Okay. I know uh, Honeywell's going to DJ it. Oh really? He needs, to, he needs to live stream that. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 should be fun. I was I was giving him trouble for not live streaming the cookout, but they said they didn't have any <laughs> Wi-Fi there. But. Uh, Never thought about that. So, uh, back back to the con though. Um, okay. Now, so you you flew out Sunday, so you you didn't get to see Shatner. Is that right? I did, and then here's the thing: we we I originally our flight was going to be so early, I wasn't able to 
to get tickets for that. So I just went to the his uh, panel, which was the, night, the day before. Well, our we flew in on Spirit because we were trying to save some money. And we'll never do that again because the flight, we had a connecting flight on the way back. The first flight was delayed because it was the fog had come in so bad, the weather. So we missed, we were going to miss our connecting flights. We spent all day Sunday trying to find another flight home. So we wound up having to stay another night. So I could have gone, but the tickets were gone. Yeah. And we wound up, the flight was delayed again and delayed again. So we didn't actually get home until... So Monday about seven o'clock. So, well, looking at the pictures of it, it looks like it was as much a you know like you you got your treat with Burn, you know taking pictures with you and, and that nice little kiss yeah. uh, that he leaned <laughs> in for, and it looked like he got because uh, he had a glow on him when they had took pictures of him and Chadner. And so, yeah, I wish I had saw that. I know. Uh, uh, Somebody else that was a, kind of was on the Two Two Freaks, Derek. And honestly, I can't remember his last name. I tried to meet up with him, but we never could. Uh, he was a, I think he's a friend of Heroes. He had tickets, so he went. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of wish I had been able to. I didn't even get a chance to because Shannon was going to go on Sunday morning. I was going to go listen to that, but then we found out our flight was delayed, and we spent that morning on the phone trying to make other arrangements. So I missed that. Yeah. Um, I got to listen to uh, Jeff Goldblum oh. talk. He was, was kind of crazy. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, so uh, do you have anything else left to say about uh, about Burn? And it- no, there be, there, there's some cool things he said in the panel, but I'll leave that for uh, to kind of whet everybody's appetite. So when I release that, um, that, okay. that panel, uh, other than that, it was just, I mean, I, I, I told some guys in line, some are local, some are from like Connecticut and some New York. And I said, oh, I'm from Dallas. And I said, so why you came all the way from Dallas? I said, yeah, I came here just for him. I came here just for Burn. Um, and I told the guy when I was buying his artwork, I said, yeah, I came up here just for this. I mean, it was just because there wasn't anybody else there really. If Burn wasn't there, I probably wouldn't have gone. But he was um, he was the reason why I wanted to go. And it's what's nice is he seemed to really react well to all the fan, you know, the, the, the outpouring of all the fans. Yeah. Although I will say the line to get stuff signed by him was not nearly long enough. It's like that line should have been around, uh, the room. So hopefully if he, he's, you know, he's done this con, he did another one, what, in Montreal recently. Yeah. Maybe this is going to be, he's going to be, Hey, these cons are not so bad. I can kind of come and meet up with the fans and stuff. So maybe we're going to see more. Well, I I, th- I think he's going to do maybe one or two a year, and it's going to yeah. be based on whatever product he's putting out. You know, it, you know I mean, because this was, you know, Shatner called him and said, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's do this," and he had a very pleasant experience working at IDW. So, I mean, he had no problem with that. Now, what happens next when he goes back to Marvel? If that works out, I mean, there's always a possibility that it may not. So, you know, we, well, he we, did. Say, well, we'll say this in the in the panel. He did said that uh, now that New Vision just canceled, it's not really canceled. He's just not going to do a uh, like a bi monthly book. It'll right. be more of a special issues, right? Like like a movie where he's been right. doing episodes. Now he's going to go do movies, right? Like he said, he's got some big story that's like a an 80 page story 
an 80 page his, giant all right in his in his head for uh star trek uh and what the interesting thing he said about shatter was that because somebody asked in the panel if he had met the other cast he said well off and on but he didn't really talk to him he said just recently had he been kind of a start of dialogue with uh shatter his idea was he was going to ask shatter if he would play his grandfather yeah so he would take a picture of him and Photoshop him in as Kirk's grandfather. And Shatner wasn't receptive to that, though, was he? I don't know. I don't, I don't, that was I before. Don't think he was. I, 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 if, I'm, um, if I remember what I read, I don't think he was receptive to that. That's that's kind of a shame. Well, I mean, it's it is what it is. You know, again, yeah. I'm not going to begrudge Shatner anything. I, I know he's got his way of doing things. And uh, you know he's he's you know made made his bones about that in public. Mm. Um, he's eighty seven years old. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, he does not look it. He does not act it. He's got the mental acuity of a younger person. So I want to know what he's drinking. Uh, <laughs> and maybe he's he, doing some. Maybe maybe right. he could get get uh, an enhanced dose to Stan Lee. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Stan's doing great for ninety five, but uh, it's, he's definitely having harder times right now. Yeah. So, do we want to go ahead and start talking about um, yeah, let's, uh, pages and uh, see if we can get through this uh, now? Do you want to do you want to give us a kind of a quick refresher what we talked about in case someone is just uh, not listening to part one, just picking us up here? Yeah, I mean, really, you should go back and listen to the third degree bulletin. It's the last episode that we put out before this, um, but you know, basically. John Byrne started scratching an itch and started drawing as 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 uh, <clears throat> excuse me as you said just a little while ago uh, you know he started drawing them the way he used to draw them and he's taking the the story takes place after the fate of the phoenix or uh, actually the untold story uh, uh, bits and pieces where instead of Jean Grey uh, or Phoenix killing herself in the blue area of the moon. Um, the Shire Empire lobotomizes mm-hmm. Jean and reduces her to the uh, uh, almost childlike uh, mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you read, you know, Phoenix: The Untold Story, you see that page that, that should have been the splash page from X Men One Thirty Eight. Now, One Thirty Eight, of course, is the clip episode of the X Men where uh, Byrne basically gives the entire history of the X Men framed around Jean Grey's funeral. Mm-hmm. But if he had his druthers, and he and Claremont, because it was Jim Shooter that said, no, she has to die. Um, but the way that they had originally done it, you know, of course, you know, she was lobotomized. They took her back to Earth, and she, you know, was, was there with her family. And Byrne picks up the story a while after that, and uh, basically Cerebro detects something going on in the Savage Land, and the X-Men head there. Uh, we covered the first six pages where you see Sauron uh, attacking, or Wolverine attacking Sauron, who apparently had already slashed Wolverine across the chest. And uh, the uh, ensuing six pages. The last thing that we saw, though, was a shot of the X-Men and the Blackbird with Kitty, who shouldn't have been there. Apparently she stowed away on board. And uh, Wolverine basically called her Naughty Girl and attempted to spank her, and she phased right through him and kept phasing and went right through the bottom of the Blackbird, falling out into the Savage Land. Now, since then, uh, Burn, you know, I mean, people have talked about this online. 
there's even been a few comments on his own page about it being um, a little creepy. And so he actually brought it up with other friends of his, discussed it with women, and they said, yeah, it really doesn't seem quite appropriate for today's sensibilities. So he went and uh, came up with other panels to take and put in that page so that instead of Wolverine grabbing her in an attempt to spank her, uh, she's sitting there talking to Cyclops from the window. And as Cyclops is responding to her, she starts to move over. Wolverine sticks out his foot and trips her. Mm -hmm. She falls forward and immediately phases and then falls through the bottom of the plane once again falling out and uh, going in free fall. And that's, uh, that's the new page six. And, uh, of course, if you look at that, the, the panels that he inserted, and, and he's very proud of them, too, especially Kitty, the profile shot. And I can see why the details on, on all the Kitty panels are actually pretty good. Uh, and, and just... Uh, the, uh, as you can see out the window and you can see the savage land in the background and the clouds and everything for as small a panel as it is it's got a good level of detail mm-hmm. it's funny because in, in the panel he actually doesn't he's probably his own worst critic because he, he said himself he doesn't think he's a very good artist he thinks he's kind of okay he doesn't think his artwork is that good. He hates everything. And I think he was being kind of serious. He said he hated, every, he's hated everything he's ever drawn. And that's just maybe because he's super hard on himself. He, you know, he, he, Whatever he looks at, he doesn't like to look at his old stuff. Cause he kind of wants to pick it apart and like he, this is what I would change on it. Yeah, because so, I, mean, I, I remember him talking about how he drapes clothing, you know, how he used to drape clothing versus the way he does it now because now he's, he's got a little bit more realistic – Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he made, made things look good. But, you know, as he looks at it now, he goes, well, that's not really realistic. And he goes, it should have been like this. And I use a good example. He was talking about the splash page when he introduced Silver Banshee to Superman. Mm-hmm. And the guys at the construction yard see her. And he's sitting there complaining about the pants and how the, the pant legs drape on the, on, the, on the guys and how that's just all wrong. And so, yeah, I can understand why he'd be, you know, self-critical about that. But at the same time, it looks gorgeous to us. I mean, it's better than than what other artists out there are doing. You know, I mean, he's especially, you know, the artists that are that that we had seen at Marvel uh, during those ages, the 70s and 80s, unless it was, you know, Neil Adams or uh, Michael Golden. Or mm-hmm. you know some of the the higher end artists, John Basima. Uh, you know you didn't see people that that put in so much effort into making clothes look natural, or what everybody wears modern day. You know it's almost the the Albert Einstein school of of clothes clothing. They wear the same thing all the time, so you don't have to think about it. Yeah, it's just yeah he. Well, we brought that up several times in our show that he's very conscious of his clothing always looks. Uh, uh, relevant and, and in style, and he's he's very conscious of. I, I think the same with hairstyles. Yeah, but see, because um, of what he's talked about, because of how he's sitting there and complained about the way he did clothing back then. When I look at the the front cover, the split cover of Man of Steel number one, and I see, you know, Clark Kent in there in those I think they're green pants. You know, I just go, I bet he's pretty critical about the the way those pants look, <laughs> and I can see why. 
And so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think I'm, I'm, I'm learning a little too much about how the sausage is made from his perspective because I understand why he's being critical of himself. And I go, oh, that's probably one of those things he hates now. Well, it's funny that he would uh, – I don't want to keep bringing the panel up too much. Nobody's going to want to listen to it. Uh, but he had mentioned that he was he was a big fan of, of Dave Cockrum because he was talking about how good he thought Dave Cockrum's work was. Uh, and um, Joe Kubert. Oh, he thought Joe Kubert was probably the best in terms of story layout and action and dynamic, you know, dynamic panel layouts. That he kind of had the whole package. You know, it was not just some people might excel at this, but they don't. You know, you've seen, we've all seen artwork that looks great, but the story is real stiff. Yeah. It's hard to follow. So you have to kind of combine all that together to be able to tell a, a nice sequential story. Mm-hmm. But. All right. Well, uh, but I think he was very, you know, you said he's uh, very uh, hard on himself, but I think he, he himself was talking about the, the profile shot on Kitty. And mm-hmm. he was very proud of that panel there. And, I mean, is it the one on the top right or the one on the bottom left where we see her in profile against Cyclops? Because that's also really, really good especially when you're sitting there looking at the distance between the two. If I was looking at, well, if I was looking at all these pages, I would say the one where she's actually falling through. Yeah. That's the best face. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's a a fantastic, well, we'll get to that one in a second. But do you have anything else to say about this particular page, the update page? All right. Let's go to page seven. And this is, this is, I I love this. You want to describe it? Yeah, it's uh, well, obviously uh, Kitty has fallen through the plane, and I guess this is uh, early enough in her career she hasn't learned to walk on air, or she's just too panicked to do it. So Nightcrawler, being the gentleman he is, has teleported down and grabbed her, uh, and then I guess it looks like she is frightened by his face, or maybe she's just startled, so then she phases again, that's assuming she is, so she slips out of his hand or she's phased through his hand, and she's landed into the foliage below, and then he teleports down uh, to the ground. Uh, and that's the last panel is that him him materializing where she landed. Yeah. But I gotta say this this one. I love these layouts because they're very Neil Adams like. Yes. And I love this close up of Nightcrawler's face. You see his fangs. He's got the. Uh, I lo- always love the way Byrne has drawn the 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 uh, receded darkness of of. Uh, Nightcrawler's face. Dave Cockrum, I think, of course, Cockrum invented Nightcrawler, so I think he yeah. draws him best. Byrne, is, Byrne and Alan Davis are the, probably the three people that draw Nightcrawler better than anybody else. And you get a really good sense of his eyes and the shadow on his face and that startled look on her face. And then uh, there's great detail on the next panel where he's dropped her. Because there's a lot of detail in his muscles and oh, yeah. uh, the outline. His I've always loved the way he draws his hair because you kind of get little wisps of the hair up top. And then the foliage. Look at how much detail he's put I in. No, I, I was I was sitting there marveling at that. You know, just it, I mean, it looks like a, a marijuana farm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know I mean just yeah the the foliage and everything looks really good. I love the way he did Nightcrawler teleporting down below because he's in that kind mm-hmm. of the the dark silhouette right and yeah i was just surprised he didn't put banff in there but you know i guess that's something for a letterer to do 
Yeah, it's funny. There's something he's going to uh, not to do. It's funny he was uh, – how, how much detail you've got in the kitty that's fallen. I just kind of – I'm not looking at that now. Yeah. It's pretty detailed concern. That's probably not – maybe that's an inch, maybe. Oh, yeah. You, you mean down when, when in the panel when, when Nightcrawler can't hold on to mm-hmm. it? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that is very detailed. And, yeah, that's just really, really beautiful. Okay, moving on to page eight. Now, eight seems to be lighter pencils. And I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if, if he just, you know, didn't get a good scan on it or it had only done one pass on it. Um, is that, are you noticing that too? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a, it's almost like he's used a different pencil. Maybe it's not. I don't know what what uh, weight pencil he uses. Yeah. Or he's just not bearing down because he's got. I don't. We'll say at least at least he's shattered in the area that's black. You, you yeah. see these X's. Right. Where I guess has to tell the anchor, hey, this is going to be all black. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, he's actually made some adjustments on this page too. Now, in the first panel, of course, you see Colossus, uh, pretty upset at Wolverine. Got him grabbed grab him by the the front of his costume. Uh, over over what happened with Kitty, Nightcrawler teleporting into the back. It looks like. And so obviously he must, must not have found Kitty because he's he immediately gone back. Yeah. To yeah. The, the plane. And Storm holding now, Wolverine's got his claws out for one, which is pretty messed up. I mean, I, you know, I guess when Colossus put his armor up and starts coming at him, he's going to pull his claws out. Yeah, it's probably instinctual. Was it ever determined whether or not Wolverine's claws would cut Colossus? I mean, it's, I think that would be natural assumption, but... I don't know. I don't think they've ever... I mean, supposedly, I mean, it's, I mean Colossus's skin is... Oh, well, let's go back to Wahatmu. Isn't his skin close to a... Um, I can't think of the kind of steel that his his body kind of emulates, but I would guess yes, it probably could. It could at least not maybe not cut all the way through, but I would think yeah, um, I would think Wolverine could do some damage. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to. I'm gonna have to go back and look at the old hot moon and see about that. Now uh, it looks like Byrne did some touch up on the uh, on Cyclops. Because I remember his his forehead and 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 his head being a little more pronounced mm-hmm. in the previous one, so he's gone back and and re, reworked this a little bit. And I don't know if you noticed, but the visor seems a little bit more streamlined than Cyclops's visor was in the comics back then. It seems like he's he's taken a little bit away. It's from a little it. smaller, yeah, yeah. It's not, but it's still pretty cool. And mm-hmm. then of course the 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 Blackbird. Um, does it look a little truncated to you? Does well, it look and, and for sure? Is that- that's something else that has been a subject of discussion on his website, whether or not the Blackbird was a true SR-71. And, you know, they made a comment in one of the one of the early issues that it was a modified SR-71. But it wasn't, I mean, it still was very truncated and not quite um, the full size of a, of a true SR-71. And a true SR-71, as I understand, only has crew cabin for one. Hmm. Uh, whereas hmm. this one here would have to, you know, be widened in order to be able to house that the entire X Men. Yeah, and it's it's obviously modified because it's a VTOL and yeah. the original Blackbird couldn't do that. But 
Um, yeah, I, I would hate to be the maintenance crew for that too because, <laughs> I mean, the thing is the SR-71 is made to travel at supersonic speeds. And when it sits on the ground, it leaks fluids everywhere. Because it's designed to, designed to be at high altitude, isn't it? Well, when it goes at the higher speeds, the metal expands. And it closes up all the seals and becomes a perfect flying machine. Otherwise, when it's at the lower speeds, it's leaking all the, all the fluids and everything. Yeah, I, wonder, I would love to somebody to do some research on why... Did Cockrum first draw the Blackbird? When did Blackbird first? Well, Cockrum drew a plane that's similar to what Byrne has drawn here, and mm-hmm. so Byrne is is you know making sure to keep be consistent with that. Uh, but they referred to it as the Blackbird, and that goes back to uh, one in the nineties, I think ninety eight, um, issue ninety eight, when it went, where they referred to it as that. Uh, it, it, so it's you know I mean that's basically where I think all of that stemmed from. Mm-hmm. Because Blackbird's always been the nickname of the SR-71. Yeah, you think the, the, honestly the X-Men the X-Men would be would benefit better from, say, like a Quinjet. Right. They don't necessarily need a supersonic, I mean, I don't know, Quinjet's maybe supersonic, but um, I, I just wonder if that's, you know, was that Cochran's favorite plane? Did he pick a plane that was, you know, relevant at the time? Just it looked different than uh, anybody else's kind of... Uh... Well, I mean, you know, Cochran's background before X-Men was Legion of Superheroes, and mm-hmm. that's very futuristic. Um, I think that, that, you know, he sat there and... Because, des- I mean, I think he designed it more than anything mm-hmm. to, you know, be similar to the Blackbird, the SR-71, and yet not. And I think the writers ran with it. And so that's just probably where all that came from. But, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, so the the Blackbird sets down, and is that Nightcrawler appearing there behind it? Or is that... No, that's a, I think that's no, a dinosaur yeah, that's jumping. Some, some sort of dinosaur. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. Right. And then it, that's a great... That's I love that wheel. That's a great shot. Oh, yeah, it's great. Of the wheel and the dust. But Nightcrawler's head below looks a little elongated. Well, it looks like, I mean, the thing is, you can see up at the top where he looks like he's teleported back in. And -hmm. there's Storm holding back Colossus. Then they show it land, and then there's Storm, and it looks like he's teleporting again right in front of her. So I'm kind of, what's going on? Yeah, I I don't know. He seems, uh, I don't know. He seems distressed. He seems startled. She seems startled. He couldn't find Kitty. Um, Maybe that's it. He's gone out again, and... Because uh, I would think that would be, I mean, I, honestly, not the nitpick burn, but in this top panel, I would not have Nightcrawler appearing behind Colossus. Right. It makes more sense for them to get in that scuffle, them landing, and then Nightcrawler pops back in and saying, hey, well, I can't find Maybe Kitty. Maybe this is Nightcrawler teleporting out. Maybe this is a few seconds earlier. Maybe, maybe. Because I, I know that on the pages when they're on the web page, you saw up in the corner so many seconds before, 13 seconds before, or 30 mm-hmm. seconds or whatever. Yeah, that, that and, could be it. And that could be it. Um, and then we go on to page 9, and we see you know Cyclops, Storm, Colossus, and Wolverine all down on the ground, and Wolverine's tracking, or trying to track Kitty. And um, 
the, the this is weird because and there's oh there's Nightcrawler also. This is weird because Colossus does not seem much taller than them. I'm wondering if he's kneeling or something because I thought that he was a good head taller than Col- than Cyclops when he was. I don't think he's supposed to be about close to seven foot when he's in his armored form. Yeah. And uh, you see, uh, Cyclops also has a cerebro, a mini cerebro. Uh, there it is, waist from a thing around his neck. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. It's like a, it looks like a tricorder. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Wolverine does his best Batman. In the middle, I mean, because that that may, I mean, I know it's Wolverine, but it always, whenever whenever they show that kind of perspective, it always makes me think of Batman, just because of the way it, 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 uh, the the mask covers his Mm -hmm. face around there. Um, But I love the detail, the the detail in this page, of course, is is incredibly beautiful. The bottom panel, of course, you see the X-Men splitting up, going different directions, uh, and you can see that Wolverine is very short. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate that. And Storm, of course. Now, is she, okay, so she's shading her eyes. I think she's looking like yeah. she's trying to look. Yeah. Um. I will say this, but that top panel where the, when Wolverine is is uh, kneeling down and kind of gathering, I guess he's maybe picking up where she uh, she landed, and all the rest of them are kind of watching. Yeah. There again is a lot of foliage. There's a lot of detail, but it never gets lost. And these are just pencils. You can imagine how much cleaner this would be once my inks it. You you know with all that it's, it's you know you could say it's busy, but you you it's clear you can tell what Wolverine's doing, what the rest of them are doing. Even though they got all that foliage and all those trees and all those leaves, yeah, and all that stuff behind them. And that none of that stuff looks like you don't see any. When you're looking at this, you don't see any, well, I'm going to draw a tree. No, I don't want to draw it here. You don't see any kind of sketchy lines as to where he's going to put stuff. It's like he knew exactly where he was going to put everything. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so page 10 is um, an interlude, and you actually see the, um, is that Darren and Samantha's house from Bewitched? I think it looks is. like it. I think uh, there was comments on his webpage about it, and that's why I believe it is. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's the Gray's home um, from Gene's uh, parents' home, mm-hmm. and uh, you see, I believe Gene's yeah Gene's mother's coming down the stairs. She's going and talking to what looks to be uh, is that her father? It's not. It's not her husband, or is it? Is I don't that, know who is, is coming. Is that Jean's father? Because it's her sister out there with him with her kids. With, is that not, in that bottom panel, is that not Jean? It's yeah. in the, uh, Jean, fork? Jean's on the right, and then there's, uh, two of her sister's kids. That's right. So it's, uh, Jean's mother, father, and sister. So that's her sister. Okay. That came yeah, so this is a, not, this uh, is a young, a young Jean. This is, right? Well, yeah, this is, this is Jean just a, after she's been lobotomized. She's, you know. Okay, okay. So she's still, yeah, I mean, she's, you know, definitely got the mind of a, of a, of a child. Uh, is you know what they're saying, and so uh, her sister's kids are playing with her out in the backyard, um, and it just looks like the parents are concerned. Now this page is this page and the last page are, are, are uh, two of the ones that have been lettered, so we can actually go back and and uh, read the text on those if we want to. 
Yeah, let's uh, let's look at that. Okay. What does it say? You want to read those? Yeah. Okay. It's, um, okay. The, <clears throat> I'll describe here. Uh, top panel is the uh, out the scary of the house, uh, and you've got someone saying those ain't birds, and below it says fifteen hours ago. And have we established this is the sister coming down the stairs? Yeah. Says hello, everybody up. And it says mom and dad. Uh, she says, there you are. They, as it looks like they come into the kitchen. She's asking, where's Jean and how is she? Uh, the father says, unchanged but calm. She's in the yard playing with your kids. And the mother says, they seem okay with her. I guess it must be kind of fun for them having an adult operating on their level and they're looking out the window you see Jean playing with two young girls and uh, the mother again says well well, let's not worry about that now Jean is, Jean is home and she's safe and Jean's sister says wait a minute uh, what's with that toy and I can't tell what Jean's got in her hand can you? No. Is she hold- I can't tell what that is. Maybe it's something to be revealed on the next page. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whenever they go back to it. Well, didn't. Um, let's look at this other page. Still can't tell what it is. Didn't. Um, yeah, that's the end of the interlude. The next page. Didn't Gina at one point erase her parents' memory of her? I I don't recall. Um, Maybe I'm misremembering. And I mean, the thing is, and the only, you know, the thing is about her sister is, you know, the I remember one story with her sister. It was in Bizarre Adventures, and it was just a story about Jean and her sister, and her sister's concerns about her kids. Mm-hmm. And Jean's a mutant. Of course, her kids could also, you know, be such. Um, I remember the cover of Bizarre Adventures. It looked like it was Lorraine Newman had posed for the the uh, artwork. <laughs> Of uh, of a Jean of Jean Grey, so I thought that was kind of funny. It didn't look bad. No. And uh, it was uh, the Bizarre Adventures, of course, had three stories in there. One was an Iceman story uh, that uh, George Perez had done, done the artwork on that I enjoyed. Nice. And um, Dave Cockrum had done a Nightcrawler and the Vanisher, uh, getting teleported to another dimension. And Nightcrawler basically becoming a swashbuckling hero, and they use a they they basically I think turn that into a large story for his four issue miniseries. Okay, yeah, that yeah, I've got that, but that's a nice that's a, where he, he meets the little bamps. Yep. But the uh, the this story with you know had the Vanisher and some sort of dark force thing that the Vanisher used to do his teleportation. Were you familiar <laughs> with the Vanisher? Because yeah, just I mean just briefly, he's you know he's one of the early early. Villain. Yeah, very. He was like the second villain that they fought after Magneto, and he gave them their first defeat. And the way that they played him in this, he was a complete joke. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I want to move on to page eleven. Yes. Okay. Page eleven is. Now, yeah, page eleven uh, has you know, of course, uh, Wolverine and Cyclops and Storm going through the jungle some more into Savage Land. And Wolverine noticing something up in the sky, and as he pulls away the uh, 
the foliage to see, we see feathered wings, giant mm-hmm. feathered wings over the foliage. Um, now the the top panel is not as detailed as as the others. It mm-hmm. like it's, I mean, it's the the foliage has all got details, but but the the character figures are far enough back that the details on them kind of fall away a little bit. Yeah. You can see how he's, he's um, supposed to be sunlight streaming in, and he has yeah. erased part of the uh, his pencils to create that sun, those, those sunbeams coming in. And he was actually uh, a little critical of himself on this, saying that, you know, if this is actually the Savage Land in, you know, near the Antarctic, that the sun rays are probably going to be more, you know, vertical. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, someone corrected him and said, "No, if you're if you're there, it's probably going to be more like this." He, he said he told Bernie actually it was pretty on target. But oh, I mean, I, I don't know which one would actually be more correct uh, in that particular uh, thing. When I, when I first saw this page and I saw the wings, I thought it looked like this was half of a double page spread. I thought yeah. it was like just the wings, but it, obviously it's not. But I thought we were going to get Angel. <laughs> I, I didn't know what I, I don't know if some reason an angel didn't pop into my mind. It should have. Yeah. It should um, have. Um, I mean, for me, what 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 we, what we finally see, it should I I should have remembered that because I only read that mm-hmm. not too long ago. What's interesting about these wings because they're not really defined; they're kind of loosely drawn in. Yeah. And it reminds me of something he said uh, in the panel was that somebody was asking about how they loved his burn tech, and he said, "Well, when I pencil." When I do that kind of stuff, I don't, I don't draw it in detail. I kind of scribble it in because I know when I go back and I'm going to ink it, I'm going to straighten it up and line things and then draw it yeah. properly. So that, that's probably what I'm thinking about these wings. These wings will be nice. Whoever inks it or if he inks it are going to be nicely detailed with some shading and, uh, and some other stuff. But it's a nice um, kind of a panel break yeah. to show you know Wolverine looking in. I still love. I mean, that panel there of Wolverine just peeking through mm-hmm. is my favorite part of this page because you see all the detail there where he's you see his fingers pulling away and and stuff and you can almost smell the dew off the leaves. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but that yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful panel. Page, uh, page twelve. Page twelve. Now this one again appears light on the pencils, but I think. Again, this is one that he went back and uh, lettered. Is it? Yeah. It, it is one that he lettered. And um, so, you know, in, in the panel, of course, you see Wolverine uh, down in a crouch. And you see, what, three winged people. Two of them with more like, almost like dinosaur type wings, like pterodon wings. And then you see, and I don't remember her name from the Hidden Years, uh, the one that Angel befriended, where she's actually got feathered wings. She's basically a mutant amongst, amongst mm. those. Well, the other two remind me of the 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 Great Lakes Avenger dinosaur. Remember, doesn't she yeah. have yeah. wings like that? Yeah, I remember. I remember who you're talking about there, and she had that weird voice that she was able to calm down Mister Immortal. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Wolverine's sitting there, and he's like, what in? You know, of course, he's completely shocked. 
Uh, and he goes, and and the one with feathers, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and Cyclops like, ah, it has to be. Uh, no, Avia. That's right, Avia. It has to be. And Storm's like, who's Avia? And he goes, someone from before your time with the team, Aurora. We met her when we came back to the Savage Land to be sure Magneto had really died here. We discovered a previously unknown race of winged creatures. She was one, but a mutant. She came back with us to the mansion, but eventually she chose to come back here. Yeah. So she is the one that you said you were referring to, the angel. Yeah. Yeah, so is Wolverine on a tree branch? I don't know, because it looks like he's he obviously didn't climb... I don't know. And it's snaking, That's a very good question. It's snaking over to the right. And it's like you're getting his look over into the valley from the tree. Yeah, or like he's climbed to the top of a tree. Yeah. Almost like that. But And you can tell this is another panel that probably would be nicely... Um, a lot more detail would be added whoever inks it. Yeah. Because uh, Wolverine's face is a little unfinished, and the that middle that middle um, section. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought so. I think that was that was trying to make him look like you know, with awe or just yeah. wonder at what he's looking at. And you know, it's it's one of those things. It's great that that someone like Wolverine can even be. Um, I, I I'm not sure though you know awestruck in such a way. Mm-hmm. All the stuff he's seen. Yeah. So on uh, our next page here, uh, as we move to page thirteen, we see Cyclops and Storm and Wolverine still going once again making their way through the uh, the jungle, and we get a nice hind shot of them with the the sunlight coming breaking through the the trees and such. Um. And what does that say over on the right? Can you read that? What does it say? On the bottom, the bottom no, on the corner? T- on the top right. Oh, shoot. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. I've got to bring up a different app to, to look at that. Um, let me do... Jeffords? G- I can't read it. I have to... But I like the way his uh, his uh, sunlight beams actually go outside the border. Mm-hmm. Break the yeah, break the border. And where's my magnifying glass? Oh, there it is. Okay. Now nah, I can't make it out. No, I can't make it out. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then, of course, you know, you finally have a, this the 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 part where Cyclops comes and sees what appears to be Carl Lycos, uh, but he almost looks like a Todd McFarlane villain from the Hulk. Mm-hmm. He does look kind of like the uh, the way he drew the leader and some of the um, some of the uh, the one one of the guys that the leader had in, had radiated, you know, that would yeah. sit there and suck the life out of the Hulk and make him mm-hmm. super thin. That's what he makes me think of looking at that. It looks like he should be green and scaly and nasty. It does look either scaly. It's either supposed to be scaly or sweaty. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously he's basically dirty, malnutrition, you know, malnourished, and uh, probably naked based on the way he's got him crouched and crouched and, in the, yeah, and all that. And um, he collapses in Cyclops's arms. Wolverine pops, looks like Wolverine's popping his claws. Oh yeah, and uh, Avia is coming down to land as Storm's sitting her in a, in a defensive pose. Though she looks very calm at the same time, mm-hmm. and um, once again, you know, when, when you're dealing with the, the the jungle and everything, it his level of detail just makes it beautiful. Mm-hmm. And throwing in the, the sunlight, of course, is you know a nice added extra effect. I, I kind of wonder if that when that's inked, if they would they would outline those rays or if they would just leave them blank. I mean, I've seen them do it before, where they they maintain this kind of effect, but they they actually you know add some glow to it, mm-hmm. you know. But, oh yeah, if it was done today, they would do all kinds of Photoshop. Oh. But I would love it. If, I would love it if they whoever inks this, if they ink it in this style. Yeah. So now, as we go into page fourteen, and, and there's still a note at the top left that says, I think thirteen minutes ago. And you see Kitty uh, falling through the jungle and then going right into the ground. And you can see the, the, the mixture of her, you know, as, as you look at the panels, there's terror on her face as is basically she's underground and still going down. And she's reaching up like a swimmer, like someone trying to swim their way back up to the top. And she continues to go down when her hands finally reach air, and you can see that she's found like an open, uh, like a like a, a vented pipe, mm-hmm. or a, 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 I mean, like a, a huge vented pipe. Because then she comes through it completely, and um, she's she's apparently found her way somewhere to some underground uh, facility. But this is really pretty. Uh, the the sequence of her coming through the rock is pretty gorgeous. It's yes. it's. Um, you could look at the it way forever. he's, yeah, the way he's mixed in the, the the you know the strata or whatever the rocks and the swale that she's coming through, to where she is really sw- it's like she's swimming. Yeah, you know, that's what it's like for her. She's kind of yeah. Um, and then I love the the the, uh, the shot of her fingers, just you know kind of coming through. Uh, whatever this access hatch is, or that she's coming into. I, I, I get the sense of feeling in my fingers, like you do when you you stick your fingers into the water. Like if you're getting into a swimming pool and you put your fingers yeah. in first, and you can feel that. If when she's sitting or doing it, even though she's phasing, that she can feel that that huge difference from all that matter to you know just open air. And it's it's interesting choice for him to the all the panels of her going down are vertical which right. gives you a sense that she's sinking but then once she goes into what she kind of had to but once she gets into well i guess no she okay uh, this is a, a horizontal pipe in it yeah okay i was for some reason i was thinking she was going into a vertical pipe but this makes sense she's falling into a horizontal pipe which has a grate at the end of it so it looks like she's kind of plopping down yeah on her backside and is that the page fifty? Just a big reveal. You, you, yeah. we talked a little bit off. So we're on page fifteen, 
and she's making her way through the pipe and she phases you know through the grate comes out into some nice burn tech area mm-hmm. and we see you know she's sitting there slinking around she's being very careful but she looks around and, and you see two guys in boots and of course I, I you know it's like I'm sitting there going gee I wonder who that is you know is you know is this like a shield facility is it you know Hydra is it aim is it whatever and then you see pop I mean and this is just a great image of Kitty's face mm-hmm. in fear and when you the next panel tells you what she saw and you understand why she was so scared as she is attacked by what can only be Modoc Modoc but you're only seeing it from the back it took me a second to realize until I saw the little hands and little the little legs to realize who that was. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my God, we're gonna Modoc, we're gonna oh wow, we're gonna get to see this." And of course, when you get to the next page, it it goes elsewhere. But <laughs> of course, but still, this page right here again is one of the, one of the most beautiful pages in the whole set, where, especially where Kitty's concerned, and. I mean, that, that first panel, you look at the determination on her face, and the second one, you can see the fear and trepidation that's coming in because she realizes she's coming to a place that wants to be hidden. And if some place mm-hmm. wants to be hidden, they don't like visitors. Well, what's interesting in this, if this is ink, this probably will not have any dialogue. I don't think that this doesn't need any dialogue. Unless there may be some sound effect from when Modoc is zapping her. Well, let's just be but, glad that Burns writing it, not Claremont, because you would have word balloons <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, well, a lot of well, you would have honest. Well, it's true. If this was written back in the day, you would have thought balloons. Yeah, there's not going to be any dialogue, you know, or maybe some um, uh, editor's notes or something. But yeah, interesting. Let's see uh, his take on Modoc. I, I, and then of course, we got to see fake Modoc in Hulk 315. Yeah, for a few moments, but yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. And this definitely looks to be. And again, he's gone back in time, and he has looked at what Modoc was doing at this particular era, in order to put this in here like that. So, you know, and because it, it to me it looks like he's going around on a huge toilet. Um, <laughs> But it also makes me think of that Clockmaster or whatever it was that he had in She-Hulk, you know, because he always had She-Hulk going up against the most joked characters mm-hmm. in, in the Marvel Universe, and it made me think of that somewhat, but I, I can't remember quite what. All right, uh, page 16. You want to get this one? Yeah, we have. We are back. Uh, we are back in the jungle, except this time we are with uh, Colossus and Nightcrawler, and the top panel is... Colossus is, he doesn't seem like he's kind of sure what's going on. Uh, Nightcrawler is startled. He's, he's got kind of an expression of, of seeing something. And then in the next panel, we see that he's seen these these kind of hovering, flying, high-tech vehicles. Uh, and now Colossus is, is a little upset. He's kind of pissed. So he's uh, charging forward. Like he's determined to find out what's going on because you know he's he, he wants to find Kitty, and then we have uh, Nightcrawler uh, disappearing, and at this time he does write in Bamp at the bottom of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great shot of Colossus there. Move that 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 bottom one. Yeah, uh, him. You can imagine how that's going to stand out. 
with all this green foliage and he's going to be in his yellow and red and all the 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 blues they use to highlight his Our, kind of yeah. chrome look yeah I love the way he draws uh, Colossus's reflection, his reflective skin. Yeah. Now, what about these ships? Do you recognize those from anything? I don't. They don't look like. There's one. I mean, they're kind of like generic. There's three of them. Uh, yeah. Actually, there's there's uh, four. Because if you look, uh-huh. you see one that's off in the distance. It's moving along with him, but it's not as well defined. I'm seeing. Okay, look at the big okay. ship and look behind it. Okay, I see. Okay, it's just a silhouette. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be just a black silhouette. I thought that was part of the clouds. Yeah. But yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. If that's Modoc, then this is AIM, right? Yep. Yeah. That's what I figured. It's going to be uh, AIM's got to be here somewhere. Yeah. Wow. But that's a, yeah. That's a that's just a that's a great. Sh- uh, a great shot of Colossus coming, you know, kind of his charge, you know, he's kind of strutting forward. And then the the face above is great, too, where he's kind of getting riled up. Uh, and you kind of see his... But why? You know, do he's kind of various, Do they recognize it as, as AIM? I think it's just more, you know, here's somebody that can give me some answers. And he's, you know, he's kind of... Uh, you know, Colossus was always kind of when he in his early adventures was kind of charging in uh, without thinking about yeah. what he was doing. True, true. You know, he was kind of you know he's the, he's he's the tank of the group, so he's just gonna go barrel his way in. And of course, Col- I mean, I don't know what. Let's go to the next page to see what happens. Well, in the next page, you can see uh, it looks like there's a structure, and. You know, Colossus is coming up to it, and I'm, I'm having a little trouble with some of this. It looks like a woman with her child, uh, one of the one of the local um, tribes people, and it's, it's she looks like to be falling from the ground because they. Oh, okay. I, in the first panel, you can see they're shooting at her. Okay, that's what that is. Yeah, they're shooting okay. at her, and and so they've hit her, and so Colossus now he looks surprised. At what's happening, but at the same time, the next panel, you know, I mean, in the in the third panel, he's landing on a tree branch that's bending down, and like I said, he looks surprised. But in the next panel, it springs him up in the air, and he goes after one of those ships. He's probably surprised that that actually worked. He's he's doing his own fastball special. Yeah, yeah. But that that bottom right panel, I'm I'm having a hard time with Colossus's anatomy here and trying to figure out what I'm looking at. It looks like he's ripping off. These things look like they have kind of, um, they're like uh, hovercraft. They've got these kind of uh, blades. Yeah. That have a shroud around them. It looks like he's ripping that off. Yeah, he's in he's in motion, and so it looks like he's got multiple limbs almost yeah he's you're getting him lost a little bit with the uh whatever the mech is yeah yeah but i love that the him expression on his face yes uh and him just ripping into that but what do you think about that expression in the third panel is that surprise is that fear what is that is that just uncertainty? I don't know. That 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 should be determination i think that should be yeah he should be kind of gritting his teeth uh, to jump on, and, and that's going to be an awfully stout branch to hold up. I think he's about 700 pounds. Yeah. 
um, it's to project him that far high into the ground. But yeah. Now, uh, if you if you go on to the next page, though, um, he's he's thrown that uh, bit of tech at the at one of the ships. The other ones. And then they show in the next panel two AIM guys. And uh, they're at the controls of something, and they're firing back at Colossus, and it hits him full force right there in the chest. And I know it's not the same angle, but this makes me think of Days of Future Past, when uh, the... Uh, Wolverine? No, yeah. no, when, when Colossus got hit by the uh, Stark cannon. Oh, okay. And, you know, and, and went flying back. But um, it makes me wonder how, if Colossus is really... Hurt now. It's get down at the bottom. Burn has written the word razor. Hmm. So it is possible, maybe, that these have pierced Colossus's, you know, chest. Yeah, I can't tell if that's supposed to be the whatever is hitting him is kind of shattering, or if that's his body that's kind of chipping away or breaking away or whatever. Yeah, I would think that it's. I mean, it's probably destroying his costume, but probably mm-hmm. not really damaging him i mean again you know what we'll, we will have to maybe wait for a later tale to see if that's the case that'll that's gonna look gorgeous once that's inked i love this bottom page yeah he looks like he's in pain he's ta- he's kind of startled you do see his costume is already kind of starting to rip up yep and it, like his little knee thing there on the left side mm-hmm. is getting torn up and i guess it looks like he's he ripped the uh, the the fan blades off one of them and threw it at the one that was possibly shooting at the uh, the woman. Yeah. So I don't know if if the guys that are shooting at him are in the one he just ripped the fan off of or a different one. Probably a different one since there were it looked like there were there were three. Yeah. Yeah. So. What is uh. We're getting almost close to yeah, I know. being out of pages here. Page 19, you see Cyclops, uh, Carl Lycos, Storm, and Wolverine in the top panel. Uh, it's obvious that they can tell something's going on. Mm-hmm. Either hear it or sense it. And, and he's running off, and here you can see he is wearing yeah. some kind of loincloth. Lyco, yeah, Lycos is running off, and you see the, uh, the other bird people uh, behind Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Wolverine goes, they landed. Yeah, Wolverine goes after Lycos. And as he's coming through stuff, Lycos turns around, and that hypnotic look starts to come from the eyes. Mm-hmm. Does it look like he's crying? Does it look like a teardrop coming out of his yeah, eye? Yeah, because he didn't want to be this. He, I, yeah. I remember right, you know, Lycos never wanted to be this, and he's tried to sacrifice himself a couple times, but Sauron, you know, if you didn't know who he was, he's Sauron, the, <laughs> the ter- hypnotic pterodon. Um, always seems to find a way to... Uh, keep him from dying and ultimately finds a way of coming out mm-hmm. um so it can sit there and feed on what the life force of mutants is that right he does he absorbs something so that that triggers the change yeah but i don't know why suddenly he would he would um why now he would if he's been with the he's been with the storm and wolverine and uh um Cyclops all this time. I don't know why suddenly, uh, unless he kind of feels it. It's, it's, it somehow it seems connected to whatever they're hearing. Yeah. Like it's uh, Colossus is. So maybe there was some kind of a a dampening field or something that 
they they got destroyed or something. But or maybe this was a this is my chance. Could be, you know, could be, and he's running off. Yeah, yeah. But you definitely see in the last, which is page twenty of his transformation, he's definitely fighting it. He doesn't, like you say, he doesn't want to change. But that bottom uh, panel there on nineteen, though. That's just that's, the eye uh, and then the hair, and it, that's just an amazing shot. I'd love to see that inked. I love, yeah, I love the hair. I love the hair, the eye. That's a great way for it to reveal, and then you get that last page where oh, he's and transforming. To me, this is so Neil Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 middle two shots of of Sauron as he's turning more, and the eyes are getting more hypnotic, and more details coming in there. Yeah, I, I just I, I went back in time there, and of course that ends on basically the shot right before the opening the beginning. splash page, yeah, with him mm-hmm. slashing him there in the uh, chest, and that is the last of that, and that's um uh, just again a gorgeous shot altogether. When you look at the the progression of Lycos to Sauron. You look at the jungle around it, the wings, mm-hmm. everything about it, of this great ending splash page, cliffhanger. It's just, you know. It's a, it's a dense page. I mean, his, his, yeah. uh, there's a lot going on here. It's um, yeah, it's just going to be, uh, I'm, I'm kind of anxious i want to get this i've seen this stuff but it's, it's great to see pencils but you want to see them inked i want to see some color in them i want to see um although a nice it'd be nice if he did a you know i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't hate if he did a, an x-men version like he did of omac where it's just black and white yeah yeah That's possible now uh one other thing i did hear uh talk about is that, you know, Byrne has done all these commissions over the years. And there's a possibility that IDW may do a collected edition where they'll just publish all the commissions or a good number of the selected commissions. Hmm. Now, whether or not they'd be colored, I don't know. But, you know, I mean, that's something that I would uh, definitely want to have. No, that'd be great. Just kind of like almost a. I know he's published a sketchbook, hasn't he? That's just kind of his doodles. Um, are you talking like the art of John Byrne? Nah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. I just I've seen stuff that has uh, that have some of his. Um, Cause that had like some of his X Men What If stuff in there, mm-hmm. and and I mean you you actually gave me a copy, um, a CBR of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I found a copy of How to Draw Comics, you know, John Burns' How to Draw Comics, which I thought was really cool. But I didn't know he I, that, put one of those up. What? I didn't know he put one of those up. Uh, I have a, he'd done in the, in the 80s, early 80s. Oh, I've got the Marvel book, you know, the one Stanley and Basima did. But. Well, I, I had the one that um, with John Romita Jr., and then I've got the later one, but my my one with John Romita Jr. got stolen from my apartment back in uh, mm. early '90s. Either that or mm. my ex-wife has it. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, all in all, though, I mean, we finished this story, and, or at least this this issue, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And it, of course, it does what it promises to do. It makes you want to come back for more. 
Um, and it's not just, you know, that it makes you want the next story. It wants You want the next page. And each one of these pages was sitting there with a, a little mini cliffhanger at the end of at end of each page, making you want to look at the next one. Mm-hmm. As, as, you know, you know. I mean, you 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 want to sit there and marvel at the art, but at the same time, you want to move the story on. And uh, it's this is the type of storytelling we're not getting anymore. This would have been a twelve issue maxi series just for this <laughs> one one issue right here, as much as cram-packed in these 20 pages. And you would have had probably about as much dialogue as you've got in the three pages, the four pages he's littered in the whole thing. It'd be all just, you know, it'd be all artwork, no story. Yeah, now, if you guys want to look at these uh, as they are, the John on John Byrne's webpage, BurnRobotics.com, in this forum, there's an X-Men Elsewhen um, uh, forum message uh, posting that has all the pages right there, so you can sit there and go through them uh, and look at them in their full scan value. So you, if if you wanted to take it down and you know put it on a flash drive and run it Kinkos and get it you know actually put a comic book or a, the comic page size, and I'm not talking like a regular comic book floppy. I'm talking about what the artists work on. Which what what's, what mm-hmm. size is that? This is not That's eleven by seventeen, I think. 17. Yeah, I think that's like a tabloid size. You could get it. You could get it done in that. You could get it done in a non-repro blue. So if you wanted to try your own hand at inking it, you can do this. He he has no problem if you want to sit there and take a stab at it yourself. And if you want to sit there and put it on his page um, for him to critique, he's done that as well. And yeah, several. We mentioned it before. Several several readers have inked this. Uh, and then put it back on his website, right? Yeah. I noticed nobody, nobody's taken a stab at coloring it, though. Well, but, I mean, there, I there are guys were... out there like Ben Price and other guys out there that, that pride themselves on being able to color these things. They, they color his commissions all the time. Mm-hmm. But it, no one has taken a stab at this at all. But it would, it would ha- probably have to be inked for them to... to um, to, to really want to color it again though these pencils are so tight for the most part that you should be able to go from the from from the pencil pages themselves mm-hmm. well it was interesting that he he brought up and also the panel about somebody asked him about <clears throat> we took over fantastic four he said originally terry austin was supposed to ink that book yeah but for some reason he couldn't or or whatever so they asked well you know, if you consider inking yourself, that's why he started inking his own stuff. Yeah, because at that point in 1980, was it 1982? 81, 82, something who, like that, yeah. Who, aside from Terry Austin, would you want inking him on a regular basis? I mean, would you want Dave Hunt or Dan Green or... Tom Palmer. Yeah, granted, but, you know, Tom Palmer had already done the Silver Surfer with him, and you could see that Tom Palmer, again, goes his own way. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't have a problem with that. I like I like Tom Palmer's results, but I, I don't think it would have been right for Fantastic Four. Byrne was trying to give the Fantastic Four a, a very specific look, and if Tom Palmer had come into it or Joe Sinnott had come into it, they would have taken away from that look in favor of their own styles. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I mean Terry Austin would have been you know the the number one choice, and then number two I guess would be Byrne. Unless you could get George Perez to come behind him and ink it. 
But you yeah. know, when George Perez comes in, what I found is that he'll ink something, but sometimes he'll replace entire characters with his own version. Like when- yeah, I think it's it's gonna be hard if you get somebody that's that level. I don't want to say ego, but somebody that level inking somebody else that's that level is gonna be a little um um. There's going to be a little bit. I want to kind of do it my way. Well, yeah. You know? Well, and, and the thing is, only the only thing that I've got there where I can sit there and say that's from is Action 600, when when George inked on John for you know Superman and Wonder mm-hmm. Woman against Darkseid, and he would basically go and redraw Wonder Woman because she was his character at that time. It's, yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, in, in in something like the Fantastic Four, now Perez had worked on a number of issues. Before, during, and after uh, Burns' first set of issues in Fantastic Four, and that was when he was doing more of the house style with uh, Joe Sinnott and others inking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, George Perez and then uh, Bill Sinkevich were also doing the artwork. And the thing was, is that as you went between the issues between those three artists, you did not notice much of a difference between their styles. They all were pretty much yeah. kept in the same frame. Which that's got to be hard. I remember when I was talking to, to, to Textera, he he said when he collects art, he likes to collect pencils because he thinks that's the true art. Once it's inked, it's kind of somebody else is kind of putting their their uh, spin on original work. So he like and that's what he says. He has a hard time anybody inking his stuff because his stuff has kind of a real painterly style yeah. and it's the way he draws he kind of draws instead of straight lines he kind of kind of sketches as he does and that's why it's hard for anybody else to come along and ink his stuff because they don't quite understand how he has drawn it so it's usually better for him to ink his own stuff but but when Burn inks his own stuff uh, people have a tendency to comment that his lines are too thick it is. It's it's a little thicker, and I don't know if that's just the way he likes it. Uh, but if you can compare him him inking himself versus Austin, yeah, Austin has a little um, crisper line. Yeah, Austin's always had a little bit more of an organic, um, and I, I don't want to say cartoony, but it, it it it's a lighter way of dealing with with. Uh, the human golly I'm, I'm sitting there trying to think of how to word this properly because you know it, it, it in the past couple months we've talked about working with scott and chris on indiana jones mm-hmm. and so i've kind of looked at that that book several times uh also because i'm a huge indiana jones fan and you know you can see that that terry austin has a heavy heavy hand on the inks in that particular book and so you can see how the characters, you know, almost bleed into the caricature, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that, that the two of them together back in the day, uh, especially with the X-Men, it, it kept it grounded enough that, you know, you, you know that it didn't get too far away. I think if, uh, if it had been any other artist in there before Terry Austin came in, it would look a lot different. And... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Terry Austin consider because like if you look at uh, Days of Future Past, not the first cover but the second one, where it says everybody dies, that's Terry Austin art one hundred percent. 
there, you know, John Byrne didn't have anything to do with that. And you can see the differences in the way that he draws the X-Men versus the way that Byrne draws them. Mm-hmm. Well, Austin to me always look, looks like when he was inking over Byrne, he used almost like he used more of a, uh, a, a pen. So his lines are thinner. They're a little yes. more sharp as opposed to inking everything with a pen, with a, with a brush. Right. So I think that's Byrne. I don't know if, if he, he doesn't use a pen, but, uh, his looks like he's inking everything with just a, a you know a, 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 a you know a brush and just and drawing it that way. I know uh, um, Simonson does a lot of his inking with uh, a pen. He doesn't use a brush a lot. That's why his has that kind of sketchy, blocky um, look. So just depends on what you know what to each their own. But these are all. Uh, uh, gorgeous pages. Are you going to? Uh, well, I guess we can put a link to the pages. Yeah. Are they kind of? Are they kind of localized? One area, one and one. Uh, He's got uh, one post that is locked. That's got all the, of them. the latest version of each page. Okay. Uh, in there, and so we can you know throw the link to that. That to there. Okay. It's called X Men Elsewhen, uh, and it's you know just a sequential story. Mm-hmm. So and that's at Burn Robotics, correct? BurnRobotics.com. BurnRobotics.com. Yeah, in the forum section. Cool. <sighs> well, you got any uh, got any final words on? Well, uh, you know, when we were going over the last of uh, the first couple pages, we we're talking about um, some of the effects that Burn was doing on the page, and it made me think back to Ganthet's tale. Mm-hmm. And you remember, I was trying to figure out how he had done that that warping effect there. Uh, and what it was, I went back and found out that uh, the effects that he did was done with wadded up toilet paper, dipped in ink, and then brushed oh. onto the page. And so, it's, you know, it, it, it was, it, and that's what it made me think of when we were looking at the first couple of pages, some of the effects that we saw in there. So mm-hmm. I, I had to go back and look at that because that was driving me nuts. But, uh, <laughs> you know, again, you know... <laughs> Where it, it, this is just a wonderful experience to sit there and look at this work, to hear him, uh, you know, being seen in public and having people say pretty much nothing but wonderful things about him. Um, the talk about him, you know, going back to Marvel, and that seems to be a good possible reality. Uh, other stuff coming out, like maybe these, you know, uh, commissions. The last week they finally sent out the. Uh, uh, x-men artifact artifact edition mm-hmm. and uh mine is at the store right now over at collected and my wife is going to go pick it up for me tomorrow Ooh, nice yeah and then i got uh a i got two things here one thing i can tell you about the other i can't because i've got one for you okay so i i got i gotta wait till i get that to you before i reveal that but I did get a copy of the old John Byrne Fantastic Four poster. And it's basically, uh, I think it was from 80, yeah, 1984. And so it's got the Fantastic Four in the new costumes, you know, the dark blue with the white stripe. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of the villains and heroes and everything from that, that you know from the Fantastic Four, all the way from the Scrolls to Doom to the Mad Thinker, Galactus... Dragon Man, Annihilus, but it's also got the heroes, the Inhumans, Wyatt Wingfoot, 
uh, you name it, Lisha Masters and Franklin, of course, and uh, Atuma. It's not Atuma. <laughs> and uh, there's only one on there that I don't recognize, and it's down at the bottom right-hand corner. And I'm just trying to figure out what that is. But uh, it's really just a, a beautiful poster of Burns nice. you know, from 1984. And you can get them right now. At, you can have your local LCS order it for you, or you can get it online for under 10 bucks. Wow, that's deal. I think I got it for like seven seventy five. And is it like twenty four by thirty six or uh, what size? Yeah, it looks like looks like it's three feet by two feet. Yeah. So okay, cool. It's a good size poster. Now I I've gotten some other posters up in my uh, my office, but uh, I didn't I didn't have any burn posters. But what I do have up is a uh, a Jim Lee Batman. I've got my Crisis on Infinite Earths poster finally up on the wall again. Uh, here in the office, uh, the a, a wood backing of uh, Amazing Fantasy fifteen. And no, nice. Now I do have a burn a, a a piece of tin that is a burn artwork, and that is Wolverine from the that first issue where they fought Sauron. You know the double page spread where mm-hmm. Wolverine is leaping at Sauron, and and Sauron's got uh, Storm by her hair. Mm-hmm. And it's just the tin is just Wolverine himself, but it looks like he's cutting out of something, and so it's been kind of bastardized. And Byrne really hates it too, but I found it at uh, Michael's, and it oh, was just damn. a few bucks. So I grabbed that along with a, a real nice Neil Adams Batman and Robin running uh, things that are both in a, you know. Yeah, I've seen some of those tins. He had and the artwork that he had. Uh, I was close to picking it up. He had a few pages from his coloring book. That were there. Oh, still away from still away the stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now there is another uh, coloring book out there at Walmart. It's an Avengers coloring book, and it's got selected pages from so many different comic artists. It's even got George Perez and uh, John Basima, and it's got one page of burn art in it, and that's the front cover from the. Uh, Avengers 184, I think, where the Scarlet Witch has been taken over by Mordred, and she's got the Avengers mm-hmm. upside down, I think. Upside down, yeah. yeah. And so it's got that cover there, but it's got, like, Alan Davis, and, I, I mean, just so many of the artists that we've been, you know, looking at over the last 30, 40 years, and some of the, you know, memorable covers and, you know, one-page spreads and shots of the heroes that you can color yourself if you want, or you can just, you know, look at them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's and it, that was at the grocery store for like eight bucks. No, it's not bad. The coloring book. Yeah. So they're starting to put those things out. I thought that was pretty interesting. But it, it's always nice to sit there and, and find something of Burns showing up and something like that. Because it seemed for years that he was getting ignored purposefully, um, you know, and getting his stuff out there, especially when it came to anything merchandise related you know mm-hmm. when when he went and started doing superman at dc you would have thought that they would have gone to his image of superman for anything marketing related it just screams you know to to be used and instead they stayed with the jose luis garcia lopez pbhm um <laughs> uh you know, they, they stay with, with his stuff and and so it, it you know it was, I, I was always disappointed with that but you know, and and you know, Marvel never promoted his artwork outside of anything trade related. Even back in the early days, when Byrne was really coming on like Gangbusters, 
and he was well. You just you just didn't see a lot of the you didn't see a lot of uh, uh, superhero stuff out there you know, at that time. Not like it was now. We're just kind of flooded yeah, the market. Yeah, and, and it was you know the underoos market and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And by the time that we got to the point where superhero T-shirts and and stuff were commonplace, Burns' artwork was passe. Yeah, it was, yeah, he, he was already you know. Well, I think I've, I've covered everything I can think of here. Do you have anything else you want to add? Or? No, no, just that the, this I, I I can't recommend these more highly. So anybody who's listening to this, uh, you know, please click on once this is posted. Please click link or just go, you know, go to the if you're familiar with Burn Robotics, go there and uh, take a look at this stuff. Um, if you want to kind of maybe you can look at them and follow along as we're talking about them when you listen to the show. Yeah. Now, if you it's guys, like a, if you've been uh, reading the uh, Star Trek New Visions, um, you'll find that you can actually read them for half price, uh, getting a Kindle version at Amazon because they're selling for what uh, seven ninety nine or eight dollars. Uh, in, the, in the comic book shop, and that's only if they're carrying them. A lot, a lot of times, mm-hmm. they're only selling them if people special order them. So, you know, the comic book shops. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, he's he's completed his run right now. He'll come back to it later. But uh, if you know, the thing is, is, you can get the regular books at half price just by getting the Kindle version, so you can read it on your tablet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I've been reading a lot of them, you know, that way instead of having, you know, having to had to get the book. And, I'm, I'm, and be sure to be sure to go through two two freaks dot com. Yeah, and, and click on our Amazon link. Yep, it keeps the lights on here. We could yep. really use it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, something. And I've been finding a lot more, um, you know, other things in trade uh, and and such that I've been able to go back and 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 pull from there and read. Uh, I believe I pull the one thing I'm looking for and I haven't found yet is his run on Doom Patrol. Because mm. I don't have that and in any way, form, or fashion. I mean, I've actually got it in my collection here, boxed up, and uh, right now it's not cataloged because that's something mm. my son is supposed to be working on. He, he he negotiated a contract, and he's got all the tools and everything ready, and he's done two short boxes. <laughs> no. School's starting up. He's got an excuse. Well, no, this is summer. During the summer, this is what he's supposed to be doing. We bought all this stuff at the beginning of summer. He said he was going to do it because we negotiated a price per box, and he figured out, wow, if I do this and I get this much money, and then I can afford this. And you know, he, you know, it's like he'd set a, a goal early on to get a couple things, and so he did enough to get those couple things, and then he just forgot about it. And the thing is, is I just want to go do it. I, I just want to go do it, but as a father, I can't. I've got to, you know, get him motivated to do yeah, it. Yeah, so, turn the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's enough of the the inner life of Brian. <laughs> uh, before before we sign off, I, I, before I forget, I wanted to shout out, and I'm apologizing for not. I didn't get his last name, but at the con, I actually met a third degree burn listener. A guy saw my shirt. And he said, oh, hey, uh, I just started listening to that uh, show. Are you affiliated with it? I said, yeah, I'm the, one of the co-hosts. Me and Brian do it. So he uh, he stood in line waiting for the burn panel. We had a nice long conversation. His name is Mike. I, again, apologize. I didn't get his last name. Uh, you'll hear him a little bit when you listen to the, the panel because he was sitting next to me. and He asked a couple questions and we talked to each other. But um, and it was great. To, to, he said he kind of just discovered us. We hadn't listened to all our shows yet, but – he, uh, he said he was enjoying them, and he looked forward to uh, 
you know, listening to more. So we do actually have a a physical listener out there. Yeah, well, I, I actually <laughs> ran across one last year. Um, That's cool. At, actually at a comic book shop, um, Sci-Fi Factory in uh, Lake, Lake Worth. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, I'd gone in there, I had my shirt on, but I was actually looking for Dungeons and Dragons supplies. And you know, he he told me that he he'd been listening to us, and he listened to a lot of the Two True Freaks um, shows. And mm-hmm. then my wife called because she was painting the bedroom and she fell off the ladder, so I had to run oh. and meet her at the hospital. So I didn't really get to talk to him any further, but. Uh, that was that was pretty cool. So yeah, it, it is great to to sit there and run yeah. into the listeners. And and Michael, um, you know, be sure to say something at least on our Facebook page so to let us know who you are, so we can make sure to give you proper credit there. Especially if you're a contributor during the uh, during the con. Yeah. Well, uh, I I got nothing else. <laughs> I got nothing else, and I I know I, know I have to uh, sign off because I got to go back to my real job. Um, hey, but we did this in less than two hours. I'm really impressed. That's a that's a record for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, and I'll no, let you, we'll, uh, you take us it- out. Okay. Uh, well, on behalf of Third Degree Burn and uh, all the John Burn fans out there, this is uh, I am Tim Elliott, and I am Brian Hughes. <laughs>